ജീം سرمن I would say a little more about the drowning of Pharaoh. I had inferred that when the Holy Quran said that when Pharaoh was about to drown he said a prayer and as a result of his prayer we replied Ya alana wa qad asaita qablu wa kunta min al-mufsidin There is no time for prayer now because before this you continued to disobey and spread mischief fal yawman hunajika bi badani but today we will certainly deliver your body litakuna liman khalfaka so that you may become a sign of warning for those who will come later in this discussion i had kept this possibility in view and even now i believe that the promise of deliverance of his body which allah had given to pharaoh it did not mean the deliverance of his corpse because many of the corpses would have reached the shore 
and the bodies of most of the pharaohs were preserved. Therefore, when there is a special mention of the deliverance of this pharaoh as a result of his prayer, I deduced from this that here such a life is meant which is deprived of soul, as they say, zombie in English. There are some people like a corpse whose life is utterly deprived of spirituality and of soul. The word zombie in English presents a concept of life without the real soul, but the subject of is that we will grant you life but will not give salvation. It will be a life deprived of spirituality. In this regard, a study of the remaining verse in which there is a mention of the drowning of Pharaoh and the accompanying army show that with the exception of one place in the Holy Quran, all other places mention the deliverance of the children of Israel and drowning of the pursuing Pharaoh and his army. In that one place there is a mention of Pharaoh alone. The question arises that could there be a contradiction of that instance with the subject which I am describing? In chapter Bakra it says, that we drowned the people of Pharaoh as you were watching them. Then in chapter Anfal also it mentions then in chapter Ashura it says that we drowned the others. The same subject is also mentioned in chapter Zuhraf. In various places where we find the mention of Pharaoh and of his companions, excepting one chapter Al-Asra, in all other places it mentions the drowning of Pharaoh and his army which accompanied him. The subject in chapter Al-Asra is and we drowned Pharaoh and all who were with him. Now the question is that in one place Allah says that we drowned him and in another place he says when the time of drowning drew near he prayed and we promised him that we will deliver your body. Then is there a contradiction in these two statements or is there some possibility of compatibility? When I saw the word gharq in the dictionary, I learned that in all places what we say drowning is exactly the sense of the Arabic word gharq. That is, as when trying to swim, one may tired and drown in water. I did not find anywhere the meaning of a gharq, to die with drowning. Therefore to me there is no contradiction in the two. As Allah had saved a prophet in the belly of a fish where the chances of survival of a man were much less than the chances of survival of a man who is drowning. We have seen repeatedly that one drowns and then people take him out in such a condition that he not yet breathed his last.
then with effort they may revive him. So where Allah uses the word غرق there is no doubt that Pharaoh did drown and drowned together with his army. And where Allah says that we will deliver your body there is no doubt either as it is possible to revive a drowning man. And Allah must have made such arrangement because especially to mention this promise here carries a deep message. The people could not understand that message at the time but we have understood it now as we saw his corpse surviving served in a mummified form. But when I researched it further I found that the Pharaoh who had clashed with Moses and about whom it is mentioned that we drowned him that Pharaoh died in a natural death at the age of 90. His mummified body and all the papers which accompany it tell us that he had not died because of drowning in his young life but had lived a long life. After the incident of drowning he had fought many battles and once he was almost going to suffer a defeat at the hand of the Palestinians which was later changed into a sort of victory. But anyway on one occasion he had suffered a humiliating defeat. The question is that should the Holy Quran be translated in such a way that a historical testimony stands against it and instead of that corpse becoming a lesson for heed, God forbid, it should become a sign of putting doubt about the Holy Quran. This is one aspect. The other aspect is that reflecting on the meaning of the Holy Quran and understanding its special style of expression we should translate it in such a way which instead of appearing to contradict the facts should present the facts in such a way that Allah's glory should manifest in an exceptional way and that corpse should become a lesson of taking heed. I am certainly inclined to this and to me there is no contradiction in drowning and in being rescued and revived. Common human experience tells us that the drowning people have repeatedly been rescued especially the guards which used to surround Pharaoh especially because they were people who lived on the bank of the river Nile and they used expert swimmers and divers among them. For such people not to try to rescue their king is not intelligible. Therefore it is not at all improbable rather in my opinion this is exactly what happened that as Pharaoh drowned their divers and whatever other effort they made they rescued his body and since Allah had given his promise that I will deliver your body therefore was still life in that body and after being rescued he lived a long life and ruled there but his soul was not granted salvation as though within his lifetime his death had been decided and it was such an irrevocable decision which separates him from all others. For the rest of the people the door of repentance remains open right up to their last breath. What lesson of warning there could be 
that he should have a long life of pride and rule before him and he had been given a certain news that the door of all kinds of repentance has been closed on you now you will lead only a worldly life deprived of all spirituality so all these things were in my mind and are before me but despite that i am inclined to think that the promise which the holy quran had given was a promise of his survival and it was not just a promise to make his body a sign of warning now we turn to the rest of the verses one prayer which we have been told is this and you should warn the people of the day when the punishment will overtake them those who have wronged will supplicate o oh god give us a little more time we will accept your call and will follow those who you have sent did you not swear before this that you will never suffer any decline وَسَكَنْتُمْ فِي مَسَاكِنِ الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ وَتَبَيَّنَ لَكُمْ فَفَعَلْنَا بِهِمْ وَضُرَبْنَا لَكُمْ الْأَمْثَالَ and you continued to live in their homes who had wronged their soul before وَتَبَيَّنَ لَكُمْ كَيْفَ فَعَلْنَا بِهِمْ and it was clearly known to you as to how we had treated them وَضُرَبْنَا لَكُمْ الْأَمْثَالَ and we had explained the examples to you very clearly waqad makaru makrahum wa indallahi makru whatever scheming was possible they did and allah has a full record of their plans wain kana makruhum litazula minhu aljibal even if their plans were such that they could move the mountains but allah frustrated their evil plans it is a similar kind of prayer as i have already put many times before you that at a time when the decree of allah has approached a prayer is not accepted the example of the prayer of pharaoh has already passed but there allah himself has made an exception that i will accept your prayer in part but will not accept it fully most of the prayers which have been mentioned are those which they will say when they are being led to hell or they are their supplications when they are in hell and it mentions their rejection there are some prayers which are said when one is face to face with death or is about to receive punishment mostly there is a mention of their rejection also the question is that why do their prayers depend on one or two subjects only the reason is that a believer is granted a long life of trials in such a period when the prayers can be accepted and he does pray 
and his prayers are granted acceptance. And there are untold examples of it which apply to the situations in his life. But the prayers of the unbelievers are only at the time when the end is in sight. Therefore, you will not find any of the prayers beside a few prayers of salvation or prayers of being saved from punishment. They do not have the understanding of prayer. Therefore, there are only a few examples of the prayers which the Holy Quran has put before us. But if we reflect over them, we can find much admonition. One strange thing here is that it says that when they will come face to face with punishment, they will supplicate so as to be saved from it. But the answer Allah has given appears not to be connected with this prayer. Allah says, Are you not the same people who used to swear before that you will never suffer decline? They are saying this prayer that, O God, save us, we will repent. Put off this punishment so that we have an opportunity to follow your messengers and believe in you. But the answer given to them is, Were you not the same people who used to swear that we will suffer no decline? The fact is that those people are mentioned here who display arrogance and attempt to take the position of God in the world and give such challenges to those who have been raised by God as if they have been given the authority of God. They give open challenges that go ahead and do what you can. Whatever punishment you can bring on us, bring it. We will never suffer any decline. We have been given everlasting kingdom. None can harm our power. So all this story has been expressed in their swearing. You used to say this and used to swear that you will not suffer decline. In what sense will you not suffer decline? When they used to oppose the prophets, they used to tell them that go ahead and do what you can. Pray what you like. There is no power in the world. There is no power in heaven which can change our progress to decline. Allah says, those whose arrogance was of this degree they see the punishment approaching and they can see the decline which they used to refuse to accept, it is then that there is no time of the acceptance of their prayers. Here at all places where the prayer of unbelievers and the wrongdoers is mentioned, it has also stated the reasons for its rejection. Allah says, you are such people who have taken heed. Now, as you see punishment, how will you take heed? Did the punishment not descend before on people like you? Have you not been living in their homes? Haven't you learnt these lessons from the history that people who did works like what you have been doing were destroyed before? So, if you have to take admonition from punishment, then why did you not take admonition from the punishment of those who passed before you, who reached their unfortunate end of their deeds like that of yours? So their past is before you. Now ignoring that past, you see it as your own future before you, 
and that is why you tell us to send you back and we will take heed. It is against nature. If one wants to take admonition, seeing the sad situation of others, he himself follows the path of admonition and follows the path of virtue. But once the punit has descended on one, there is no question of avoiding it. They also did much scheming like you, and their plans are with Allah. What it means is that it is in Allah's power and control that whatever way he may wish, he can disgrace and humiliate their plans and defeat them. Their schemes are held in Allah's hand. What harm can they inflict on godly people? Another meaning is that Allah holds a complete records of their evil plans. Even if they had plans which could move the mountains, they would have remained without effect, without Allah's sanction, and they remained without effect. So the prayer which is rejected at the end, Allah is explaining its philosophy. After this mention that how we created man from rotting clay and then commanded the angels to submit to him, Allah says, everyone submitted except Iblis, Satan. When Allah asked him, why have you not submitted? He said, that I am not of those who submit to such a contemptible thing which you have created from rotting clay. I am not the one to submit to such abject and disgracing. Allah said, you should go out of your present condition. We will not let you remain in the condition in which we had made you. We will disgrace and dishonor you. And there is a curse on you till the day of judgment. After hearing this, Satan has said a prayer. But here the word Satan not used, the word is Iblis. Here the word Iblis needs special attention. I will explain a little later why it is of such importance. O Allah, give me respite till the day when you will grant new life to people again. Allah said, Yes. We give you respite till that time. For a set period which has already been mentioned. Oh Lord, since you have declared that I have gone astray, I, I will make everything what is on the earth appear beautiful and temporary. And I will mislead all of your servants. Illa 
here Satan himself has made an exception that accepting those people who are your chosen servants the word used here is not mukhlis but mukhlas what it means is that those whom you make your chosen people thus what Satan has said is also of wisdom and whatever words the Holy Quran has attributed to Satan some among them are intelligent and understandable things it looks that some big Satans in the world do possess intelligence it is only when they deny the truth that they lose intelligence as was the case with Abu Jahl who previously used to be known as Abu Hikam the father of wisdom but then he became father of ignorance and here by Iblis I think is meant the Iblis of every period and giving him respite means that whenever Allah raises some chosen man it is so that his sincere servants are selected and his true and sincere servants are shown separated from the worldly people they are made chosen one of God through the Prophet those who follow the Prophet they are purified by God no one can purify himself on his own so it is a subject of prophethood which the Satan has touched here he says however those people who will be granted sincerity from you through prophethood and they will be made pure through following a prophet they will certainly not give in to me in answer Allah said this is the straight path which leads to me that is the Satan is sitting in the same path to mislead people and on the same path the prophets of God show pious examples whoever are unable to believe in the messengers of God they are made the chosen ones of God and Satan can then have no power over them Allah says you will not prevail upon my worshippers accepting those who have already been misled and have crooked nature and hell is promised to you Ajmain, all of you will enter that hell it has seven gates and a portion of them has been allocated for each gate there is such a part which has already been sanctioned and will enter through specific gate in these simple kind of verses there are many points of wisdom which must be explained all that Satan said was that I will mislead all people except your chosen servants but Allah says that you will mislead on them also you will prevail only because there will be crookedness within them otherwise you have no power this carries deep philosophy and wisdom which a believer must understand that Satan has no control over anyone whoever Allah make his chosen one there is no question of Satan prevailing over them among the other people only 
those invite Satan who are crooked. But those who know crookedness within, Satan cannot prevail over them. So Allah says, No question arises of your victory over my worshippers. Except that some crooked people should themselves follow you. So it is the philosophy of sin which has been explained so clearly. Now if a man puts a glance on his mistakes and study his past situation, it will become quite clear to him that there is some crookedness within man which invites sin from outside. As long as that crookedness does not develop in man's nature, neither can a man incline towards sin, nor can the sin overwhelm him. Therefore, first a decision is made within man, and it is that very decision which enables man to follow further paths of sin. So how magnificent and clear picture has been drawn of the nature of man. Therefore, whatever crookedness is within man is called Satan, and those who invite him from outside are Iblis. And in the time of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, also Abu Jehel was an Iblis. Similarly, in each period, many Iblis are born. It is not necessary that there should only be one Iblis. They invite people to evil, and there is a Satan within each man. As the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said that Satan is running in the veins of each man, each person has his own Satan. When he was asked, O Prophet of God, do you also have a Satan? He said, Yes, but it has become a Muslim. That is, no crookedness is left in me. There is a deep secret of nature. There is always some crookedness in the veins of each man which inclines him to bow his head before each call to evil from outside. The real and most dangerous Satan is one which is within. And if that Satan becomes a Muslim, then no one in the world can prevail over such a man. That is, beside God, no one can overwhelm him. After understanding this deep secret of human nature, one can protect himself better from the influences of Satan or the influences of Iblis. Then it explained further that it is the human which is being discussed here. Allah says, the hell in which they will enter. It has seven gates. It mentions seven gates of paradise also. In this connection, I had delivered a sermon in Rabwa in the early years of my caliphate and had explained as to what is meant by those gates. Five are the sensory perceptions the door of the ears, the door of the eyes, the door of power of smell, door of taste, and the door of touch. These five holes are such through which man develops contact with the outside world. If guards are not put on these doors, then wherever there will be weakness, a robber or a thief can enter. 
so those who guard these gates with the grace of Allah they remain protected but two doors are inside one is the door of mind and the other is the door of heart and these two doors are such that either they accept the five outside influences or reject them and as a result of those influences they develop their individual personality one individual personality is of mental capacities and the other individual personality is of emotional capacities and both these personalities develop gradually by the outside influences as the outside influences put their light on the inner capabilities a light develops from within because of it similarly when the outside darknesses make their impact on the darknesses within then a new darkness develop from within so whether they are mental darknesses or they are darknesses of the heart whether they are mental lights or the lights of the heart these two gates always remain open within every man so when the holy quran said that you will be entered into hell through seven gates it means that the satans within the satans which are attached to man's self have the most importance if a man were to develop control over the five senses that is the doors of tongue the eyes nose etc which which are the doors of the five external senses and if man were to give these over to god then the two inner doors are also truly given over to god that is the door of mind and the door of the heart allah says these are people who are mukhlasin who have been made exclusively for god on such people no iblis can have any kind of victory after understanding this subject it is obvious how difficult is this task and this is how allah has defined sirat e mustaqim that this is the right path where all this happens daily in five prayers in each standing posture we say this prayer that guide us in the right path what a sirat e mustaqim this is on which walk the pious the unpious there are people who stumble and people who will save themselves from stumbling and continue to progress in this path a large majority is of those who will lose the path a minority is of those who are lucky ones who will reach the final destination of their journey all their subjects have been put before us in detail by the holy quran it has taught us all the prayers and warned us of those prayers which are the prayers of maghdube alaihim and the dawalin group and you find them also on the right path but that path which takes you straight to god is the path of ibadullah al-mukhlasi those who become exclusive of god and it is by supplicating in the words of their prayers that we should advance on those paths and whatever stumbles allah has made clear to us we should continue to try to save ourselves from them but with this certainty that no man can become pious 
with his own effort as long as he is not granted capacity through prayer and for the acceptance of the prayer it is essential that a genuine voice should rise from within the heart for ordinary prayers the the voice can rise from the heart easily but for a prayer of piety it is an onerous task to raise a genuine voice from within the heart i want to make this point abundantly clear to you if you say this prayer that our child should recover his health it will rise from the heart if you say this prayer that o oh allah deliver us of this calamity save us from this flood it will rise from the heart as i said when i was discussing some other prayers that while mentioning the acceptance of prayer the holy quran says that we knew that these people will deny it later but at the time they were praying from the heart it was a prayer of the distressed and we accepted it but to pray for piety is the most difficult prayer because it is a prayer against the flow human nature gives in to sin and want to drag you in that direction the natural flow of man's nature is towards enjoyment towards pleasures towards a life of ease to pray against the flow is the most difficult if in fact while saying prayer of piety a man were to search his heart and were to ponder whether he is really supplicating to god to protect him from all these things it is then that he will know that his was a sort of half dead prayer one says that please grant me piety but at the same time he fears and lacks genuine intention for instance one prays for halal permissible livelihood now daily the forbidden means of livelihood appear to him very attractive if he were to keep all these possibilities in view and then were to pray that o oh god grant me halal livelihood only then he will realize that what is a genuine prayer that prayer will not become sincere as long as he does not close all doors on him of the haram forbidden livelihood and does not say to god that i have closed these doors and now i supplicate that when the time comes i should not stumble until then this prayer cannot become sincere so a sincere prayer of pious deeds is the most difficult prayer you can say this prayer for your children you can say for your past for fathers because for their sake you need not bring about a change within you the mothers may say as many prayers for their children as they like o oh allah make them pious it is all possible but to ask piety for themselves and pray to remove their own crookedness and pray to save themselves from lies and to pray to be able to observe salat and say many other similar prayers it is then that realize that it was easy to utter a prayer for their children and utter them for the past for fathers but even those prayers will be accepted more only when you say such prayers with same life 
Therefore, the prayers for your own self also determine whether they will be accepted for the future and whether they will be accepted for the past. Why are the prayers of the prophets for the piety of their children accepted? Why are they not accepted for the ordinary men? So when you reflect on the prayers of Maghdube Alehim group, you begin to understand the wisdom of many of the prayers of the pious. That is why this subject is vital and that is why I want to put it before you clearly. Whatever are the prayers of the Maghdu people or of the people, when they pray even for piety, there is a crookedness in it. And it is because of that crookedness that the prayers are rejected. And even if there is no crookedness when they pray for others, but since there is crookedness when they pray for themselves, therefore there is weakness in the prayers for others. There is another prayer on the Day of Judgment, and it is not a complete prayer, you can call it a question. When Allah will raise someone blind, that is in the next world, when Allah will deprive him of sight, he will say, Qala Rabbi, lima, lima hashartani ama wa qad kuntu basira. Chapter 20, Tawaha, verse 125-128 That, O oh my Lord, why have you raised me blind? I could see when I was in the world. Allah will say, the reason is that my sign continued to come, but you ignored them. Here the word nasitaha does not mean forget in the sense that he forgot what he knew. Nasita means that one ignored them in such a way as if one had forgotten them. One overlooked them and paid no attention to them. And today you will be ignored in the same way. It means that they see and yet they do not see it. This is what has been mentioned here. Nasitaha does not mean that one forgot what one had remembered. What it means is that it was before you and you did not see it and ignored it. So what you did not see deliberately, you will not be able to see today. And today you will similarly be ignored before Allah. And your needs will not be attended to. This is a most dreadful punishment. And we continue to prepare this punishment for us in the world. When something is made manifest by Allah, then despite seeing it, if one were to close one's eyes, then this subject fits the situation. I have talked to many mullahs in Pakistan during preaching, and I know it personally that they could be seen to close their eyes. When something was put before them clearly, you could see signs of fear on their faces. You knew that they have seen the truth but they used to change the flow of discussion in much distress and used to struggle to change the subject. They are the people mentioned here. 
at times despite being a believer one makes such mistakes therefore allah has given sir to this question for good that you will make your sight and insight for the next life yourself and will harm it yourself if you will live in this world blind then on the day of judgment also you will be raised blind but if you will receive light in this world then you will be granted light when you are raised on the day of judgment it does not relate only to the eyes but is connected with all five senses all the five senses are linked to submission to allah and to some of allah's signs and whenever one ignores them then even if he does not paralyze them entirely he does make their parts unhealthy and on the day of judgment he has to attain pleasures from those to allah and to some of allah's signs and whenever one ignores them then even if he does not paralyze them entirely he does make parts unhealthy and on the day of judgment he has to attain pleasures from those parts or has to suffer punishment as a result of being deprived of paradise therefore there is a need to take great care that we should use our five senses in such a way that somewhat similar senses should continue to develop for our next life so when i said that it does not relate only to the eyes but is connected with other senses also its reason is that after this the holy quran says we treat in a similar way a man who commits excesses does not believe in allah's signs and rejects them and in this regard the punishment which will come later will be more severe and will be a lasting punishment in verses 100 to 102 of chapter 23 mu'minun allah says hatta idha jaa ahaduhul maut qala rabbil jaun till when death overtakes one of them he will say oh god send me back lalli amalu salihan fima taraktu kalla so that i should return to the place that i have left and do good works that is i should adorn my life with new actions kalla beware it shall not be innaha kalimatun huwa qailu it is only words of mouth which this man is uttering waraihim bardakhun ila yawm yubasun and behind such people is a covering which will continue to hang between them and the truth till the day of judgment faiza nufikha sura falan sabab bainhum yawm azim wa la yasalun when the trumpet shall be blown there will remain no contact between them and neither will they be able to inquire after each other one thing has passed before repeatedly that when the time of punishment has arrived when death has approached no prayer to avoid punishment is of any use when these subjects are repeated it is not without reason but with them are stated some additional subjects 
In fact, there is not a single repetition in the Holy Quran. In many places, it will appear to you that the subjects have been repeated. One thinks that the same subject appears again and again. This has two advantages. One benefit is that when a subject comes in view again, it has greater influence on man's nature. But another benefit is that these repeated subjects are presented in different forms and there is not a single repetition in the Holy Quran whose background or the verses that follow do not put a new light at that subject. Therefore, there is no straight repetition anywhere. But with each repetition, there are such hidden wisdoms which were not expressed on the previous place or some aspects were not expressed. For instance, the same is true here by saying, Apparently, the same things have been presented which have been stated many times before. But after this, Allah says, that between them will be a curtain which will hang till the day of judgment. Between who is a curtain? This is the question. One meaning is that whatever is to become manifest for them in future, they will not be able to see it fully as there will be a curtain. But when we reflect further, we know that there is a curtain between them and the good deeds, which will never be removed, and they will never be enabled to do good deeds, which means that if a man dies in a state of unpiety, then whatever opportunity was necessary to save him, that has already been provided to him. And if one is to be put to further trials, and his capacities have not been used fully yet, and a possibility that some further tests are outstanding. Such person, if he is a wrongdoer, he is given long life in his unpious state. But if he is pious, then he is granted longer life in piety. But no one suffers death as long as he is not tried in his pious and unpious states to such an extent that one can say with certainty that even if he is granted hundreds of thousands of years of life, he will create no change in him, even if he is given a million years life, there will be no change in him. This is the meaning of what Allah has said. We have seen them to the end of their life. Now when they say, if you are given another opportunity, we will do good deeds. It is idle talk, it is lies, and they utter without meaning them. Now, till the day of judgment, they will not be enabled to do good deeds. That is why we have caused them to die in this state. Then, advancing this subject further, it says, <laughs> and their pious friends, there will remain no link. As there is no link between them and their actions, similarly between them and their relations who were pious, they will develop no link. Rather, 
they will continue links with the evildoers. As here in this life, one can inquire after their pious friends, and as in the case with children, parents, the other near relations, that the good and bad among them live together. But after death, it says, the world of the pious and the unpious will be separated, and they will not be enabled even to inquire after one another, except that as a sample it is stated in the Holy Quran that some request to God to show them the condition of some friend. Allah will then enable them to see their condition. It is a separate subject, which is an exception to the rule. But in this verse, it is a general subject which has been stated. I will now leave this subject for the present because in brief I have to put another matter before you. Our financial year ended on 30th of June. Since I was on tour, I could not say anything on the subject earlier. After returning, I have received some news and with the grace of Allah, from whichever countries we have received the news, it is good that their income is more than the budget. In Pakistan also, despite there being extremely difficult situation, they repeat the same subject all the time, that before the end of the year, the Deputy Nazir of Finance writes to frighten me and sends such news that this time we will fail. We cannot see how we'll meet the budget. But I think he wants to frighten me deliberately so that I should give more attention to prayer. On this tour, I received a very frightening letter from them that the situation this time is extremely bad. There is no way to meet our budget this time. But when I returned, I have received a letter containing entirely different news. That is, within two weeks, there has been such recovery that whatever income was expected there has been many hundreds of thousands of income. And with the grace of Allah, the same is the case in the rest of the world also. Wherever there is weakness, it is the weakness of the administration. And the weaknesses of the administration are of two kinds. One is that they are not enabled throughout the year to reach the Ahmadis intelligently and remind them of their obligation. Some financial secretaries become lazy. After many months, at times even after a whole year, they tell them that you are in arrears for everything. There are all kinds of people in the world. Despite sincerity, some people are weak by nature. Some are generally lazy. If you approach them on time, they will present whatever they have. But if you do not approach them on time, then other worldly needs come first and they spend on them. At the end, it is difficult to pay. Wherever the administration is active, with the grace of Allah, the Jamaat shows active response in the same way. And where the administration is accustomed to pray, there, with the grace of Allah, amazing signs are seen. Before the eyes, the financial situation recovers phenomenally.
Therefore, I make this announcement. Wherever the voice of this sermon reaches, they should call a meeting of their Amila committee within a month and should critically examine their past conduct and should see whether throughout the year they have shown concern for those who do not pay, whether or not they made attempt to raise the level of those who pay less than the norm. In this connection, I had given special instruction to the Amila Committee in the United States of America, and its recording will be sent to the rest of the world. You should reflect over that also and try to improve your financial position. The other thing is that most of the countries are lazy in sending their reports. For instance, the financial year has now passed, but so far a large majority is of such countries who have not even thought to send in their reports, whereas every year they should send full report of the year. So within a month, the Jamaats should now send their full reports and with that report they should also give definite figures as to what share of the center is still lying with them. They should seek guidance as to what they should do with the amount which belongs to the center. There was a time when the share of the center was left lying in the account of the Jamaats because the center was not involved as much in the Jamaat work to spend in detail throughout the world on behalf of the center. It was the Jamaats who used to spend on their own and part of it was considered as spent on behalf of the center. Now many such outstanding works are being done as a result of which the expense of the center has increased much. With the grace of Allah there has not been any deficit in this expense, but at times this confusion does arise that we don't know how much share of the center is lying in such and such a country. Sometimes they don't tell us for as long as six months. I have given this work to our additional Vakilul Mal here, Chief Ahmad Sahib Ashraf, who unnecessarily has to struggle hard. Therefore, I remind the Jamaats throughout the world that before a month is out from today, you should discuss this matter in the Amila committees and send your report direct to me. You should not send it to additional Bakilul Mal because when you will send it to me, I will come to know who has sent it and who hasn't. And there will be a pressure on their minds also that this will come before me. Therefore, it is possible they will have some more feelings of responsibility. I hope that these reports will reach here soon. As far as the central expense is concerned, with the grace of Allah, I have no worry about this. Because, as I have said, so far, whatever new schemes have been launched, and whatever expense has come before us, Allah Himself continues to fulfill them. And this is what I trust, that He will continue His generous treatment. May Allah enable us that our intentions are pious and our effort is sincere. The rest of the blessings are granted by Allah with His grace and He alone will continue to grant it.
the rest of the subject I will inshallah present next month. However, I had to make this small announcement that in this sermon two new countries have joined those who listen the sermon live through direct communication means. They are Tanzania and New Zealand. So with the grace of Allah, this system is continuously spreading. May Allah so destined that such arrangements may also be made in future that both through audio-video, the Jamaats throughout the world may be able to benefit at the same time from sermons and from some other important speeches. Amen. Alhamdulillah, inamudu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'akhiruhu wa nu'minu bihi wa natawakkalu alayh wa na'udu billahi min shurure anfusina wa min sayyati amalina man yadillahu falahamudillalahu wa man yudhillahu falahadiyalahu ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أبعاد الله رحمكم الله إن الله يعمر بالعدل والإحسان ويتعاذ القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله يذكركم وذوه يستجب لكم ولا ذكر الله أكبر